Good evening, and welcome once again to this week's edition of the podcast for the Flex Fox Fantasy Federation Pool. I'm your host, as always, Garth Newton, coming to you live from my attic here in beautiful downtown New Hamburg. And with me, as always, is the one and only Jeremiah, the columnist, Johnson. How's it going, Jeremiah? Well, we're here. We're recording. Uh, Aiden and I tried to come live from our satellite broadcast studios, and it did not work. So this is an upgrade. I mean, something is generally speaking better than nothing, unless you're talking about chlamydia. You shouldn't joke about that. Someone I know uh, had that. It's a serious disease. Uh, it it also begs serious questions, but we don't need to get into that aspect. So uh, sad to hear that there was no uh, podcast last week. I chose to believe that it was simply because I wasn't available and therefore it just couldn't happen. I mean... <laughs> In a roundabout way, that's sort of the truth, right? So Aiden and I tried to record. He was having some audio difficulties. For some reason, it wouldn't let him use his computer, so he tried using his phone. And then his every time his phone would like lock, it would kick him out of the microphone uh, for oh. the app, and it would not let him talk. So like every seven minutes, we were basically just like <laughs> having to pause the show. <laughs> and then, yeah, the reschedule didn't happen. Uh, I wasn't feeling the greatest, so that's on me. Aiden was invited back. Uh, it's an open invitation, Aiden, if you're listening. Please come back uh, whenever. Yes, and uh, the next time you do come back, Aiden, we'll, uh, we'll try to remove the seven-minute podcast clock uh, from the equation as well. Uh, it's kind of like the pitch timer, just uh, you know, updated for the tech. Yeah, yeah, the app's kind of weird, especially if you're using it on your phone, which I know you're not doing, but for me, it's very weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is fair. Well, I uh, I spent uh, my my week last week on a business trip to uh, terrible mm. Montreal, Quebec. Actually, Ooh, okay. uh, yeah, Ben may or may not want to just cover his ears on this one, but <laughs> honestly, I went out there and the food was shit. The one restaurant we went to, the kitchen had burned down like three weeks earlier, and so they had this oh, like no. horribly restricted menu where it was like, this is all that we can cook in either a deep fryer or a frying pan sorry about that i'm like this is garbage and it's like an english pub it's an english pub and the only thing they had on tap one single beer on tap which was stella which okay you know what but stella is like the default if nothing else on tap is what you're looking for right like if it's nothing but coors light and you know banquet and molson or whatever it's like okay fine give me a stella but if i go to an english pub downtown in another city i'm expecting a little bit more than one belgian beer on tap now should i the first question i want to ask i guess of all the questions is why were they open like if that's what they're offering why are they even open i mean they still had people on the patio uh i guess i don't know it was it was disappointing it was also bloody hot yeah it was (laughs) and so it's like you're sweating balls and you want a beer and it's like, well, mm. shit, now that I'm here, this is just bullshit. So, well, was there like the forest fires going on there? Like at that no. point? Cause it, okay. Cause they're no, going that, on now. <laughs> that, that, those started only after I angrily left the city. Uh, no correlation. I'm sure. <laughs> I was going to say, did, did you, uh, can you confirm whether you lit a match and threw it into the forest on your way out of town? I'm not either going to confirm nor deny. Okay. okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, but it was uh, 
it was an okay trip from from the work perspective it was fine it was just you know the food was shit the drinks weren't that great and uh the accommodations weren't even that that awesome either so mm. i've had better well okay so while we're on the montreal topic so they signed uh i don't know if you follow hockey but they signed cole caulfield to an extension okay um have, do you know what cole caulfield looks like any ideas no idea at all. Okay, maybe you can put it up your computer while you're in this. But take a look at Cole Caulfield and give me, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much he looks like Ben. I mean, I'd also have to be able to pick Ben out of a lineup. Oh, <laughs> have, you, have you never seen Ben? <laughs> I haven't seen, like, ben. any of you. Uh, okay. It's, I just, I try to avoid you all. Okay. Uh, well, like the committee okay, of plague bearers you are. Okay, well, that's fair. Uh May not have chlamydia. He does take the go train, and as a fellow go train uh, rider, you never know if you're going to get chlamydia on the train any particular day. So, sure. sure. Uh, uh. I've pulled up Ben's profile, and from what I can tell, he looks an awful lot like Shohei Otani, which I didn't. <laughs> okay. So yeah, yeah Paul Caulfield looks nothing like Shohei Otani. That's what I can tell you. <laughs> there you go. Anyone else listening? Give us, uh, give us in the chat how much Ben looks like Cole Caulfield because he does not look like Shohei Otani. So, no ben offense to Shohei Otani, who I'm sure in his own right would, you know, probably rank himself above Ben in in general looks, or at the very least mm-hmm. in impending riches. Unless Ben is tapped into something I'm unaware of. Maybe Shohei Otani is much better at screaming than Ben because he mm. got hit with a Michael Kopech fastball the other night and screamed so loud that it startled me on the broadcast so well there you go yeah all right well speaking of the broadcast we should probably at some point in time try to get through uh this one in fact and one of the things that i noticed uh from this past week and we're gonna we're gonna sort of shift it up usually in our our sort of weekly reviews we sort of start with the you know, the biggest point getter. Well, I'm going to break with tradition this week because, and I'm not sure if anybody else realized this, but we actually had five upsets this past week. And for me, that felt like as good a reason as any to start from the bottom and work our way to the top. And so, Jeremiah, if you wouldn't mind, come with me to the wonderful matchup of Flex versus Kaminsky, the old brotherhood facing off against one another, the battle of the Titans, as it were, uh, where we see Flex as our 14th ranked team currently, which is impressive in its own right, uh, putting up a 176.8 over the DFL Illuminati of 138.6. So DFL dead effing last for Kaminsky. Not a surprise (laughs) there. But the Club Atletico is currently sitting 14th. That's comfortably in Europa. What are your thoughts? Well, you missed a great time for us started from the bottom. Now we're here, reference. Um, is that a country song? That is a Drake song. That is a Drake song. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, what I think about this, I mean, Flex being in Europa is better for his draft pick standing, but I don't see him in Europa contender. I mean, I don't know how you but 176 points is not much better than that and i don't think that would be 
I mean, we won't have the data specifically here that we're going to outline, but I would imagine it's not tops among Europa teams currently. <laughs> so I think that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But you know what? This is good for Flex in terms of his morale and his overall standing in the league, I guess. His morale, yes. That is ultimately why we're all playing, is to feel good at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, so his morale has got to be up. He's not complete garbage, and he's not last, which is where he's been residing for the last, like, three years. Uh, Mike has that role now, so congratulations to him. Um, But it doesn't really, it doesn't make a lot of sense on paper, right? Like, when I look at Mike's team, he has a lot of this year's breakout candidates. Nolan Mm -hmm. Gorman, Josh Lowe. Uh, Andrew Vaughn seems like he should be better than he is. Hunter Green as well. Like Mike probably shouldn't be last. It's just strange to me. I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, I think it. I think it sort of comes in in sort of two sizes. Like size, the first is activity, right? Like you still kind of gotta do some stuff to to make it work. And Mike has started to. I've noticed like turn it on a little bit but he's still not at the levels that we have expected him to be uh in the past and the other element is like there's a difference between breakout candidate and breakout star breakout candidate is someone who could and maybe even should break out but hasn't yet the breakout Mm -hmm. star those are the ones that are delivering in ways that matter and prolonged in in a typical sense um and now that we're sitting here, you know, we're sort of almost halfway through our season, incredibly. Um, like, those breakout candidates have to start making it happen for them to still to be considered a candidate for a breakout. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It also reminds me I need to update the uh, major and minor power rankings for the halfway point in the season, probably there next week. So thank you for that. You heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, not a ton to say here because I don't think this matchup is particularly impactful. I don't think either team is going to be particularly important come the end of the season. That's fair. And I mean, ultimately, we are dealing with, you know, two of the low end teams. So, you know, the fact that they just got three minutes of analysis is uh, probably great for their morale. They should be grateful. Yeah, 100%. Exactly. Uh, speaking of grateful, let's go ahead and advance to the next matchup here where we have number 10 Chow with the size matters team pulling out a super narrow victory, 191.1 to 190.2 over the 19th spot, the man and Nick. Uh, do you think grateful is the term that Chow, that Chow is feeling, uh, after a one less than one point victory last week? So I'm going to use an analogy instead of uh, agreeing with your statement or not. So uh, I'm currently on like a six-week break. I just finished articling. Uh, and everyone says to me, you know, enjoy this break. Don't do not do too much. You're never going to get another one like it in your life. Well, Chow might want to savor this win because I don't think he's going to get another one anytime soon. Oh. Um, we're talking – I mean, we're going to talk about his trades. But when I looked at his roster after his trade that we will talk about, I thought to myself, how many more wins can we count on from him? Because I was firmly on the child bandwagon of he's going to make the playoffs. He's going to sneak in the bottom and do some damage. Mm-hmm. I, it, I got a 180 here because after that deal, I, I kind of go, is he even going to like make noise in Europa at this point? Mm-hmm. Or is he going to fall his way into a first round matchup kind of like Flex and be roadkill for whoever he faces? Um, life comes at you fast. And when you make moves like that, 
uh, which we'll get into, I mean, it has dramatic implications for your roster. So this might be the new norm is what I'm saying here. And this kind of performance is probably something Chow and the rest of the league needs to get used to. Um, And if that's the case, then any week he's very beatable. Interesting. Very interesting. I mean, a 191 isn't a great outing by by any stretch. 190 by by Nick, however, is probably one of his better outputs so far. I think he had one bigger week uh, earlier. Um, but this is entirely on the back of Josh Naylor, who, as a breakout candidate, uh, might be starting to turn that corner after a fairly slow start. I guess, uh, you know, he can't always be uh, playing against the Yankees, who are, you know, he's the baby daddy of, right? Well, I'm glad somebody is because, uh, frankly, I don't I don't really think he he's a breakout candidate at all. I think he is what he is, right? Which is a very streaky hitter who can hit some balls over the fence, but probably is going to hit around 210 while doing so with lots of strikeouts. So um, he goes hot and cold like this. It's hot time right now. It was cold for the first like two months of the season. So take your pick, I guess. Uh, so we've got Nick's team. Is it too early to talk about what's happened with DeGrom? No, I mean, I don't think so. I think, you know, he's 34, he's turning 35, uh, he's older. This is a big blow for not just Nick's team, the Rangers as well. I mean, we talked about this, you know, somebody on the internet saying, can't the Rangers have one nice season? Well, apparently not. And Nick can't have a nice season either. Um, DeGrom is like one of those players. He's a huge, impactful piece for not only Nick, but, you know, the Rangers as well. And Nick is like loath yeah. to ever trade him. I do wonder if he should... Uh, consider it though at this point because he's going to be 36 coming back from tommy john who knows what he has left i mean it wouldn't even be the first time that a cy young season has been had by an older than 35 year old coming back from tommy Mm. john in the last two years um so there's some reason for hope i suppose but yeah, it, it's hard to really sort of look at DeGrom as a long-term piece anymore. Uh, it was already at a point where it's like, well, how long can it last? And the answer might be no longer. Well, I, I can't put my finger on why I feel this way. But I, and maybe it's like hindsight bias or recency bias, but I feel like I'd be much more confident in Justin Verlander completing such a, a comeback with his Cy Young. And yeah, I know he did it, but even let's say that didn't exist. Like I would just be much more confident in Verlander figuring it out than I would DeGrom. He doesn't get hurt as much. He seems to take better care of his body. They both throw hard, but Brandon doesn't throw as hard. Seems to have figured out a way to succeed without throwing as hard as he used to. All of those things are in question marks for me with DeGrom. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, and I mean, each individual is going to be going to be different, but the things that DeGrom has been able to do year over year, even around those injuries, are what's kind of impressive. And I, there's a part of me that wonders if he doesn't come back as a starter, but instead if he just comes back as the best closer in the game, because let's be honest, his per inning stuff is the best in the major leagues year over year on average. And so if he's willing to just throw 65 innings um, by plan, as opposed to by choice, um, then maybe, maybe that could work out. I mean, I have no idea if he'd be willing to do that or not. The Rangers were kind of already treating him that way though like before he got hurt they were pulling him like at any sign of distress like they pulled him a couple times and like four innings in yeah he he would like strain something or like he felt something and they just immediately pull him so i don't know how much different it would be i guess he'd be closing and there's that whole added element but i just don't think he would agree to that at this point <laughs> uh in his career but you never know it's, it's a really interesting concept anyway i mean it worked for john smoltz so but wasn't that 
the opposite way around? Didn't he start out as a closer and then become a starter? Or am I misremembering? No, he he was a starter. He became a closer. He went back to a starter briefly at the end. But, okay. Okay. I'm misremembering. Yeah. Too old for me. I'm aging myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of things that could age you, let's advance to the next matchup here, which uh, because we're starting uh, from the bottom, uh, we've, we've got to talk about the matchup between uh, a measure of force, uh, the third place team uh, who put up a uh, 244.0 against Chaos Reign Supremes, uh, 137.7. So this was a number three team over the number 18 team. So it's as expected, but this was a bit of a beatdown. Thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, it hurt to be on the receiving end of this bully beatdown. Um, <laughs> I did get a 25-point penalty, so I guess I really True. scored white. White, 162 instead. Uh, yeah. It's still, still a beatdown. Um, you know what? I, I want to spend this time to spotlight your team, because I think we know where my team is at. I think we know it's it's in a state of flux and a rebuilding phase, and I'm in the Mike Flex category of things. But your team is very surprising in terms of like how the point total sneak up on you, you seem to get these performances from guys um, that you're not necessarily expecting. I mean, I mean, is that what you're seeing from your side of things? I don't know that I'd say not expecting. Um, okay. And and we've talked about it before, right? Like I, I'm trying to make my team balanced, right? The idea being, I may not be able to put up a 310 point week, but I'm not going to be buried by too many 200 point weeks either, right? Or a sub 200, uh, as the case may be. And it just so happens that. I'm forcing all of the teams to, to, I'm keeping them honest week mm-hmm. over week, right? Like, give me a 235, right? Like, that's what I'm going to put up. I'm going to put up 235 to about 260. Come at me, bro. Um, and, <laughs> as and the I, kids say. <laughs> as the kids say, exactly. Um, but you're right. I'm not doing it with like massive point totals from any one individual. Like, Josh Young is having an incredible year and he had a good week, 20 points. You know, like Cattell Marte. Had a good week, 19 and a half points. I'm not putting up at like a, a, you know, an Aaron Judge 50 point week or anything like that from any of my guys. It's just solid. I'm trying to be solid. And I mean, so far it's netted me seven consecutive wins. You're kind of like the Mendoza line in baseball, right? Like if you're below it, you're kind of shit. And if you're above it, uh, we'll respect you, you know, depending on how okay. far above it you are. Um, you know, that's probably doing you a bit of a disservice. You're probably like a 250 line and <laughs> or, or whatever. But I think so. The thing I have a question with, and this is not to put a damper on what you're doing at all, but I wonder come like playoff time when all the teams are elite, how that will work out. Right. Because if you're hitting 230, 240 and you're running teams that are running 260, 270, 280 every week, like how is that going to work out week over week in that short, short I mean, sprint? Based on, uh, based on my results of the last three years, it's a semifinal loss. Yeah, I guess it's pretty consistent that way. Right? <laughs> that that's been what's happened three years running, and as it stands right now, I'm kind of pointed in that same direction, right? Like I'll get a first round win, first round win, and then go up against you know a hotter team in the semis, and that's that, right? But like you know how we we kind of roast Ryan, right? Because every year Ryan seems to drop a matchup that he should win, right? Like last year it was Nick. Uh, the year before that, you know, insert whoever. I just wonder if it can't flip the other way, right? Like where you take advantage of a team like that in the first week, but then you also put up a big point total in week two, right? Now you're in the finals, right? And, and yeah. like at that point, I think you'd be pretty happy with that result, win or lose, obviously. 
yeah. a win would be better, but that would be an improvement. Well, I mean, at this point, that's the only improvement I've got left to make, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you know, winning it all wouldn't be too bad, but yeah. True, yeah. true. Getting the finals would definitely be the, the next logical step. One step at a time, yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk about your team a little bit, um, because one of the uh, one of the people on your team that I am always low on, uh, who always seems to come through in one form <laughs> or another, is Ozzy Albies, specifically. Yeah. Uh, you know where I stayed on stand on him. Like none of the underlying numbers in any way map to the power that he's providing. And this year, he's not even running. Do you think he is sustainable? And if he is sustainable, is he one of the cornerstones of your team going forward? Man, so the more I've been thinking about this, the more I'm like, what if we're both right? Like, what if <laughs> okay. what, what if Ozzy Albies is just decent? So he's not as studly as people think he is. So you would be right there. He's overrated mm-hmm. and his stats don't back it up. But I'm also right to the extent of he's not complete garbage, which is what I feel like you see him as. He's probably in the middle somewhere, right? He's probably like a 2 to 2.2 point per game kind of guy, 300 points this season. Mm-hmm. He's going to give you 20 home runs. He's probably going to hit like 240. Uh, I used to think he'd give you 15 to 20 steals. Apparently that is not the case anymore, which is weird (laughs) because in this current environment, you and I could grab 15 steals probably. So I I, I don't know. He's just like not running. I I don't know. But um, the power seems to be legit. So I I think he's probably a top 10 second baseman. I don't know if he's a cornerstone anymore. I'm I'm still, Mm -hmm. the jury's still out on that. Like he's not Wander Franco or Luis Robert cornerstone type player, right? He's a... A good player. He's a he's a Josh Young kind of player, a guy who you need on the team, but you know the team could probably function without him too. Okay. Yep. No, I can I can buy most of that. Um, honestly, I think if he's only hitting twenty home runs and hitting two forty, he's that that's league average at this point. So. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. I think part of the hype just comes from the TV plays on. Frankly, true. Um, I think a lot of the hype for those guys comes from being on the Braves, right? Like. Michael Harris, exact same thing in my opinion. Very similar case, right? Uh, and a rookie so, of the year winner, so he's got yeah, form, which is nice. No, of course, but like this year, he's been complete garbage, and people still buy into him because of the name value and the team he plays on. So yeah. similar, similar cases, I think. That's fair. Well, let's go ahead and move from the complete garbage uh, performance of uh, this matchup this past week uh, into our next matchup, which is the first of our five upsets. Uh, And we're going to focus in here on the number 17 team, the Moneyballers, pulling out a 160 or sorry, a 186.8 to 180.4 victory over our now eighth place team, the big beefy baseball boys. And let's be fair. He's eighth now, but Graham was top four coming into this matchup. This is a pretty big upset, don't you think? These these matchups are always kind of hard to call. Like it, the result is an upset, yes, but I think it's just flat underperformance on Graham's part, right? Like Ash mm-hmm. did what Ash always does, which is a sub two hundred point total, a lazy managerial effort. Graham just shit the bed. Let's call it what it is. At this point, um, as Gra- as the owner of Graham's number one low minors pick. I, this is excellent. I think this is great. If he can continue to do this, <laughs> we're rolling, baby. But I don't think he will. Like, I just, I don't think this is what Graham's team ultimately is. I think it's one of those lulls in the season where he gets a lot of underperformance. I was looking, 
at his roster midweek and I was looking at like a lot of his studly guys that have been carrying him this year and they weren't performing well. Like like Brian Reynolds, Rosarena was kind of having a down week. And now you look at Graham's pitching and, and he's been public about this. It's looking kind of thin, right? Because Syndergaard's performing like crap. Um, Pablo Lopez has come back down to earth. I think he has a major injury to one of his pitchers. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so yeah, his pitching's looking a little thin. I think it's catching up with him right now. Well, fair enough, fair enough. But I mean, you—it's still kind of a kind of a big deal for a you know at the very least a top five team um, by record coming off some some pretty big victories in in his own right to lose to somebody who was in the vase, you know, as, as, or close to it anyways, we'll, we'll put it that way. Um, and, and like, that's, that's pretty substantial. Even if you're not seeing, you know, like a Rosarena having a, a negative point total, that's, that sucks. Absolutely. But it's still, you gotta do, these are the, these are the matchups you're supposed to win right now. I'm going to say all of this and know full well that I'm going to just, eat cold steel as he slays me in, in our own, in my matchup uh, in this upcoming week. But um, yeah, I mean, like I'm looking at his injured list right now and Eric Lauer, Cal Quantrill, Justin Steele, Trevor Rogers. So, I mean, Trevor Rogers, I guess is the best of those maybe. I, yeah. You, you triggered me. I was going to say Justin Steele is the pitcher that is injured. He's putting up about 14 points a game. That's, that's yeah. pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's you know it, it is what it is right and yeah. and this right now has pushed him down to the eight spot so we still technically uh considered a playoff team and obviously the we've still got another 10 games to go in the season so there's still room for him to to bubble up but at five and four it starts to feel a little scary well this is i i'm gonna answer with a question for you mm. what's more indicative like which of these statements is more indicative was Graham? just a hot start, a flash in the pan through the first five or six weeks, and this is who he is? Or has his record just been a result of, like, the normal variance in, like, fantasy player performance, and and he's better than this? His team is, is going to rise back to the top again. I, I think it can actually be both uh, at the same time, right? Because, like, if 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 you look at it just being a hot start, that implies that it's it's not really repeatable. And functionally speaking, he was he was repeating and he actually had the point totals to sort of back it up. Right. Um, even right now, he's one of the, he's the top half of the pool in, in point totals. He's a playoff team by point total alone. Um, and so sure, maybe some of those matchups might've been a little bit weaker, um, but they were typically against the kinds of teams that we expected to be in the top half, um, which may or may not have worked out in, in their favor as a result, but still um, that hot start has now met a pretty, pretty substantial cold streak this is almost garth mckinnis like yeah it's a good comp it's a good comp i mean i think the thing we agree on is this could be a matchup at the end of the season that he looks back on if he misses the playoffs or he gets the eight seed and gets absolutely crushed mm. by like ryan in round one this is a matchup he looks back on and goes damn i probably should have won this one this is probably yeah. one i should have had um, and that's tough that is tough but is it more tough than our next matchup, Jeremiah, where we have the number 16 team taking down the current number 12 team where Jeffrey Lim's penis has a 174.4 outing taking over Stad's 172.4. The precipitous fall of Stad's is now almost legendary. 
Um, Stads was at the top of this before this incredible losing streak started. Yeah, well, you know what? I don't see a certain individual in his top three point getters. Um, yeah. Happens to be a Blue Jay. Happens to be probably... Now, this is more an IRL conversation, but, you know, people say, should they sign Bo? Should they sign Vlad? Should they sign Bo and Vlad? You know, Vladimir Guerrero, the more I watch him play, the more I'm like, maybe he's just overrated, right? Like, maybe Mm. he's just not as good as people think he actually is. Because, like, in my brain, why is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. not hitting 50 home runs? Like, Jose Batista, with a much less powerful frame, hit 54 goddamn home runs, right? Yep. Why... Why is he hitting 25 home runs, right? Like, the only season that he had that was MVP caliber was when he was tearing up a triple-A ballpark. Yes. Other than that, I have not seen the kind of statistical output that matches the hype that's around Vlad. You know? And and can he put up 30, 35 home runs? Sure he can. Does he do it? Sure, yeah, okay. But you know what? Like, people talk – the way people talk about him, he should be a 50-home run player putting up 120 RBIs hitting 300. At least. Yep. And we haven't seen that. And the Jays have felt that. Ian's team is feeling that. And this is the problem when you're buoyed by, say, two or three high-end players. Unless they are all going at the exact same time and pulling in concert, you're not going to win. And that's what we're seeing with them, right? They were pulling in concert for the first few weeks of the season, but now they're not. Vlad's fallen off, and that's big for him because he only has three or four big stars. I mean, I don't disagree with much of anything uh, that you were saying outside of the idea that the underlying numbers for Vlad have always showcased that he can be, you know, 51, 20 and 300. Um, the challenge has been and continues to be that launch angle. Um, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, I've not looked into some of the, the StatCast Park factors for him specifically, um, but there were a lot of pundits that were pointing out that the dimension changes in Rogers Center was never going to hurt anyone on that team except for Vlad, because the distance of the wall was not what was keeping things in the park. It was the height. Because he's hitting all of these really, really low line drives that sure some of them get out, right? He never he doesn't get enough loft on the on the ball. He doesn't get enough lift. And as a result, he's hit, I believe this is still true to today. He hasn't hit a home run at Rogers Center this season. So that I didn't know that. That is a crazy stat. Um but my but my response to this is like, okay, if you and I, the average Joe, can figure this out, the Jays sure as hell have known this for years. And nothing's been done about it, or at least nothing tangible has been done to address it. His launch angle hasn't improved. How many guys have we seen join the fly ball revolution and raise their launch angle and become studs? And they're not even half the caliber of player Vlad is. I mean, I can think of probably a few. Randy Rosarena is one of the most prominent people in the fly ball revolution who raises sure. launch angle, and he is a fraction of the player Vlad is. So why is Vlad not just raising his damn launch angle? I mean, that's what I don't understand here. It. I mean... It's easy to say. It's got to be hard to do, logically speaking. I mean, Yandy Diaz is another perfect example of that. Like, even before the launch angle revolution was a thing, dude was hitting the ball extremely hard on the ground all the time, right? He's got tree trunks for arms and couldn't hit a home run to save his life. Yeah, I, I just feel like if the best players in the world with the best coaching staffs in the, in the, on the planet – 
working with them every day can't raise their launch angle, then it's not going to be done. Hmm. Right. And I just look at other cases of players who were not the same caliber as Vlad and they managed to figure it out. So it can be done, but for some reason it's not being done. It's kind of like Alec Manoa, right? Same, same concept, right? He is broken. He could be fixed. I'm sure there is a pathway to fixing him, but the team doesn't know what it is. So is that the hot take then? You uh, you want Vlad to get sent down as well? <laughs> to the Florida Complex League? Hey, if they <laughs> if they fix his fucking launch ankle, yeah, send him down there. Like, if, if you told me they were going to fix his launch ankle, like, 100%, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Fuck the backlash. Do it. So. All right. Well, uh that would be uh, that would be a thing. Uh, no one would see that coming. I believe is uh, is how we should uh, put that. Much like nobody probably saw penis overtaking stads in this matchup. We've talked a whole lot about Vladimir Guerrero. Uh, do we want to give some uh, some love to uh, Cody Senga? I mean, not really. I mean, I watched him pitch against the Jays, and he was nothing spectacular. I think this was just a byproduct of having two starts. Uh, he still walks way too many guys. Like I don't think he knows where the go- where the ghost fork ball is really going. Okay. Anyone's guess. Um, if he's not walking too many guys or giving up too much contact, then he might succeed. But like other than getting this player for free, like if you had to actually pay anything for him, you wouldn't want to, right? Like if you had to give up, say, like your low minors one pick for him because he's a prospect, you wouldn't want to do that. At least I wouldn't. I don't know about you. I wouldn't want to do that. I don't think Kodai Senga is very good. So he he's got a very interesting trend happening right now. If you uh, if you open up his his player card there in the background, you'll actually see that it was more than just a uh, two start week. He put up twenty six points against the Phillies, um, mm. which is impressive. And then he had a clunker against you know the Cubs, and then before that it was a twenty three point performance against the Rays. And a clunker against the Reds. So, and and then 17 against Colorado, which granted, yes, he should. But it's it's a very interesting thing. And one of the uh, one of the things that I'm curious about, and I, I'd love to get some opportunity to sort of dig in, is how much of this is based on how much rest he's getting. Because again, he's coming over, uh, much like many others, and he's not used to a, a five day rotation, right? They typically are pitching once a week or even on a six day rotation uh, overseas. So I'm curious to see if he is one of those people that just does better with that extra day of rest. And if he was playing on a team that didn't always have, you know, the litany of the walking dead in the pitching staff, the Mets, then he'd probably be able to to do something with that. And I hearken back to Shohei Otani's first couple of years as a pitcher as well, where he too was not as good a pitcher as he is now. And in large part, it was because he hadn't yet adapted to some of the changes in the game over here, in part, just that up-tempo aspect. And in fact, the Angels even pitched him just on Sundays, wasn't it, for a good long time? Yeah, yeah. Um well, you know what, I'm going to, so I don't disagree with what you're saying. I'm going to throw out another comp, and I'm going to throw out another theory. So another comp for this would be the guy uh, for Oakland, Fujinami. Mm-hmm. I mean, they tried him on six days rest. He was just dog shit. It yeah. didn't matter. It didn't matter his rest, right? So I think there is a certain level coming over from Japan where you're just not the caliber of player that's going to succeed in the major leagues. And I'm not saying that's necessarily Senga. I think the jury is still out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did do, I did read somewhere 
that like he didn't play in the world baseball classic and part of that was because he wanted to adjust to mm-hmm. the new ball which is in japan they use a much like tackier ball yep it's naturally and in ML- yeah and mlb it's much smoother so he's been trying to adjust to that smoother ball and i wonder if maybe that's kind of reflected in his poor performance and maybe there's a higher ceiling there that i'm giving him credit for because once he adjusts to the ball and figures it out it'll all click yeah i maybe i it, it's it's a solid theory i like it i particularly like how you managed to talk about how uh sticky or smooth the balls were uh for the top performer on penis's team um that is some some fine segueing my friend thank you thank you very much all right well speaking of segues uh, we've hit on two of our five upsets, but it's now time to go back to just a run-of-the-mill drubbing of RKR, our sixth-place team, over uh, Jamil and the Husan Alliance, uh, 190.5 to 151.5. Um, basically as expected, I'd assume, and you, of course, expected uh, that <laughs> RKR would do it with the names that he has, France, Bednar, Kelly. That's who you're expecting RKR to, to to put up these points totals with, right? Well, Bednar, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'll get behind that. Uh, okay. JP France, not not so much. Merrill Kelly is old, and I didn't think he was very good, but I'm clearly wrong in that assessment. But, like, am I that wrong? Like, I'm a big RKR guy for the record. Sure. I, I think he's uh, – I own his pick as well, but I'm not hopeful that he will fall out of the playoffs. <laughs> uh, I have a feeling he's going to be firmly in that 4, 5, 6 area. Okay. Um, and I like him. I like him as, like, a potential first-round matchup upset beating, like, a 3 or a 4 seed right. um, because I like the depth of his team. Um, and this is kind of – where I'm going with this, I guess, is that even these guys, like you would never pick these guys as his top three scorers in a week, but those are the guys that are carrying him, right? Like when his other guys are falling through, his Juan Sotos, uh, his Tristan McKenzie's, like when they are not coming through, these guys do because he has a deep team. And if they all click at any point, you got to watch out because that's top two, top three ceiling here. If like Soto gets going, if Newbar gets healthy, um, if Austin Riley has a big week. Yeah. And and that's kind of the point, right? Like if RKR and and a one ninety is not a great week, let's be fair. Um, I mean it's it's obviously enough to get over Jamil this week, but if he's doing this without those top guys clicking, there's probably forty points just left on the table just from those three guys you were mentioning alone, right? So you know if Soto McKenzie and and I don't know even Rutschman start delivering, this is this is a two thirty five two forty outing, and at which point he looks. I mean, that, that puts him in the top three or four uh, on this week, as an example. Well, if two, or, if two of those guys, just any two of them, right, have, mm-hmm. let's say their best week of the season, you know, or McKenzie's a two-start week or something. Like, sure. he, could, he could go 250 easily, Yeah. right? And in a playoff matchup, I mean, that's a coin flip, right? Like, maybe, yeah. if, you're, maybe if you're facing Ryan, it's not. But anybody else, that's a <laughs> coin flip, right? Like, who knows if they're going to beat that? You talk about you being, like, the Mendoza line, you being the – you know, the, the bar, well, if 230 is the bar, 250 is like, you got to jump to get over that shit. Yep. So, you know, I like his chances. I think he's solid. I think this is his floor. And I think his ceiling is much higher than that. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue. Uh, Ranger Suarez is the top performer for the Alliance 
this week. I'll be honest, I've been down on Ranger Suarez uh, basically since since he hit the limelight last year, uh, and I'm still not high on him. Where do you come down on him? I'm also not high on him. I think he's a number four starter uh, in in real baseball, and I think in fantasy he's like a six or a seven. Like he's very fringy. Uh, I think that's reflected in his ownership percentage. He trying to remember i don't think he throws particularly hard uh he only has three pitches and he doesn't go very deep in the games yeah for the most part right like last year was kind of a weird smoke and mirror thing but usually he's not going more than five five and a third in, in most games and he's on mace right like no one's going to confuse him for zach wheeler even on his team so i think the bigger question for jamil is like where do we go from here because he's had that amazing week against me i'm like the cure-all for everybody but other than that <laughs> It's been sub 200 points consistently. So mm-hmm. so what's the plan here? Well, I mean, uh, if any part of that plan involves uh, trading Devin Williams, uh, Jamil, look me up, brother. I'll, uh, I'll make you a deal. <laughs> this has gotten juicy. I mean, Devin Williams, uh, you know, if he's willing to trade you some Shane Bieber, perhaps. I, I mean, Shane Bieber's team is probably going to trade Shane Bieber. So who knows <laughs> how that's going to shake out, but. Well, wouldn't you? They they pump out pitchers there like children, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, they, that's quite the analogy, but yes, they are well, very prolific with their pitching. Name like just in their prospects alone this year, right? Bybee, Logan Allen, yeah. um, Gavin Williams is still in the minors. I mean, that's three top starters there. Throwing McKenzie, they don't really need Bieber, do they? I mean, that really depends on how far they think they can go in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, the thing with the with the I want to say the Indians, the Guardians, is that they hold on to guys way too long, right? Like they yeah. let their peak value decline, and then they're like, "Oh, we should trade them." Like they were thinking about trading Jose Ramirez, like three years left on his deal, and yeah. they were like, eh, "Maybe at the deadline." Bieber had like his most value probably two years ago, right? His velocity was up. He had two or three years of control. He looked at like the best pitcher in baseball. You probably could have got the world for him. Now his velocity's down. He's a different kind of pitcher. Still good. Different though. Yeah. Not going to be worth as much. Yeah, and yet some team is still going to see a you know front of the rotation starter possibility, uh, and it, when that's available on the trade market, stuff happens. Yeah, Yankees or Dodgers for sure. Yeah, and it'll be the Dodgers, and then he'll just become a bloody ace again because that's what they do. Do you want to hear a juicy rumor, though? Apparently, Ooh. according to, uh, I don't know, those like Twitter, reputable Twitter people think it's, uh, think the Baltimore Orioles are a sneaky candidate for them. I'd be okay with that. The Jays wouldn't, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> Would the Jays even notice? No, they're last. What do they care? That's right. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, let's go ahead and uh, take this opportunity to advance to our next matchup then, uh, as we are getting long in the tooth on this podcast already. Uh, And here we have another one of the upsets. Interestingly, though, this is probably not, it shouldn't feel like an upset, but the Star Boys 229.5 are now the 13th place team, having just beat the 11th place team of Chris's Mummy's Good Boys uh, with a 200.2 score. Now, coming into the season, if I told you, yeah, Ben was going to beat Chris in week nine, you'd go, of course he is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I would. Uh, But if you told me Chris would have the better record despite the loss, I'd be like, whoa. Yeah. Chill out. Um, 
Jonah Heim been unreal for Chris. I, I I honestly think the reason Chris lost, and this is ludicrous to say, is that Freddie Freeman didn't drop like fifty points. Because yeah. if he does, he probably wins the matchup, which is just insane. But whatever, he needs Freddie Freeman to like be otherworldly every week to have a shot. Although two hundred points would have won a lot of matchups this week, so Chris is yes. probably upset. Um, on Ben's side of things, Taylor Walls probably a godsend for Ben because he's just been plugging him in in the infield because his infield sucked and he can put him at shortstop third base second base and tampa um seems to actually like him for some reason now i I don't know weird jamber candelario also weird i don't know how sustainable these performances are is what i'm getting at because these are not brand name guys right right these are not guys you want to be counting on every week you darvish okay sure but the rest of them i mean that's probably not going to happen week over week yeah, and I mean it's 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 hard to argue any part excuse me any part of that. But much like some of the other teams we've been talking about, you know, this was this is a week where Kyle Tucker is not in the top 3. This is a week where Brian Hayes is not in the top 3. This is a week where Xander Bogarts is not in the top 3, even Paul Goldschmidt, Sean Murphy. Ben has an offense that should be doing better than 49.6 points on the week. Like Ben won this entirely by his pitching, which put up almost 180 points alone. But, like, you can explain or at least, like, understand why that's happening, right? So, Xander Bogarts is definitely hurt. Uh, has, it looks like he has, like, a wrist injury, but he's playing through it because the right. Padres, for some reason, want him to play hurt. Uh, I think Paul Goldschmidt is just kind of battling age at this point. Like, he's 35. The age monkey probably is coming for him at this point. So, it's probably yeah, not this bad, but... Heck of a drop-off after an MVP season. Yeah, so I don't think he's this bad, but I don't think he's MVP Goldschmidt anymore. And I think it was obviously lightning in a bottle last year when he did it. And it was unrealistic to expect him to continue this way. Um, Jazz Chisholm, injured a lot. It's hard to say, like, he was great because he never really established himself, right? We were waiting for the the breakout, right? Like, we're waiting for the, the step forward. So, like, you can understand why Ben's offense has been crappy. Um, it's probably got some positive regression coming. I agree with you, but like, I don't know if it's to the level it was last year. Maybe we need to tailor our expectations accordingly. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And on, uh, on Chris's side, uh, another sort of, you know, ho-hum week, I guess. Yeah. Chris scares nobody. Uh, I, Aiden and I in our recording, um, Aiden said, you know, he was going to say positive things about Chris because they were, otherwise they weren't going to be friends. That's what he said. Uh, and that never got released. So Chris and I are not friends. I do not feel any obligation to say nice things. And so I won't because I don't think there's anything here long-term, right? Like he might get into Europa as a high seed, but he's going to get obliterated by somebody. <laughs> like probably round one. I hope it's me. I hope I can get in there. Just lay down some wood, but <laughs> I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Well, do you want to know who did get obliterated this past week? That would be the individual in our next uh, next matchup as we are going, once again, from the bottom to the top. Uh, the ninth place team, the Squirtle Squad, put up a 218.5 to an incredibly low 193.5 by the Mad King, a second consecutive loss. So I, I never do this because, like, I don't know. I just feel like it's bad karma and stuff. But I 
well, my moment, I called this. I said it was going to happen. I faded Ryan in the picks from two weeks or last week. Mm-hmm. I want my moment in the sun. I actually faded him, I think, two weeks in a row. Like I both his say, losses, I faded him. Because you, I, you, yeah. you have correctly called both yeah. Yeah. of his losses. Um, he is seven and two because of you. <laughs> yeah. So whatever I say goes, right? You hear that? <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I want that moment because like Ryan is such a steamroller, right? Every week. But I yeah. just, I have a feel like he, we're going to discuss it. He made a trade and I think he's fixed a lot of his problems with this trade and that's fine. Um, but till that trade was made, like I was very concerned about the, the trajectory of his team. Okay. I still am a tiny bit, but I think he's got so much talent. Like if it ever comes together consistently, like God help the rest of the league. But when it comes to this, like he, this, this is what drives Ryan. And for the people that like behind the curtain, when this happens, I get so many Slack messages, like my Slack much more <laughs> active when these weeks happen. Okay. Cause, cause for Ryan, I feel like it's like, what do you, what is he going to do? Right? Like his team is amazing. What is he supposed to do when his guys just shit the bed? I mean, the, the answer is find a way to win, right? Isn't that always <laughs> what you, in fact, are preaching? That yeah. uh, if you're yeah. halfway through a week and it's just not coming out the way you expect it, you got seven moves and you're petitioning for nine uh, in any given week to try and fix it in the moment and take some of those risks, some of those hard choices. Obviously, not necessarily in the middle of the season, but certainly when you hit the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, Ryan and I had like a little argument between ourselves on Slack this week about it because he's basically like, what do you want me to do? I've done everything I can. What you're saying is BS. And like, to a degree, I guess it is. Like, I get that. But like, I'm talking in the playoffs. I'm talking like, we're in the semis, we're in the finals. Like, you fucking drop somebody. I I don't know, pick someone on his roster that isn't like Acuna. Drop that fucker and pick someone up who is hot, <laughs> right? Like, and I say that from experience. Like, during the COVID championship, I was just dropping whoever. Like, I didn't give a shit. Whoever. Pick someone up. Back then, I think it was, like, Dean Kramer was hot, and I picked him up to stream. Like, those are the moves you have to not be afraid to make, and that's what I mean by that. During this season, I, I it's hard to be like, Ryan, you should uh, make your guys play better. Like, I get that, <laughs> right? I get you can't make Jordan Alvarez hit more home runs. I, I understand. But, like, when I think about, like, Carlos Rodon, okay, if you could drop Carlos Rodon mm-hmm. in the finals for a hot pitcher, would you do that? You personally, not Ryan. Uh, I mean, the finals? Yeah. Well, I mean, first, I, I just want to say uh, it was an honor <laughs> being, uh, just making it this year. Uh, it's been a long road and a long time coming. Um I would. Uh, in, in that particular case, I, I probably would. Now, it would have to be because he was not injured. If he's on the if he's on the IL, you hold him because that's not actually buying roster spot, right? Like now, if I've got like eight guys hurt, that's a different story, I guess. And then you you're right. You just sort of pick the ones that are gonna hurt the least in the end. Um, but yeah, if you've got a a you know a fourth from the number four starter down, mm-hmm. um, I think is fair game uh in in that event and i think any any sort of an injury of even your starting offense again short of uh short of an acuna or the like but like i'll just throw it out there like a cedric mullins probably droppable in the finals if you know if they're looking to sit him two games out of the out of the six they might play um because you just need 
you need at bats, right? So yeah, that's exactly like the kind of caliber of player I'm talking about. Like obviously, I don't expect him to drop like Jordan Alvarez, but let's say all his IL slots are full, and he has to bench Mullins, right? It's bench Mullins, bench Carlos Rodon, bench whoever, or get a productive bat on a tear. Like someone on the wire in the past seven days is dropping thirty points. Like I don't know if Ryan would make that move. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't. And that's not like an attack on him. I'm just not sure if he has the stomach to do it. And what if that's a difference in your magic? I mean, what it is, is it's the reason that I try to hold on to a top waiver priority through the playoffs. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. Like, I, there's been teams in the past. I remember it was either like Chris Bryant or Corey Seager became available recently. Anthony mm-hmm. Rizzo was available recently. Like, teams were dropping keeper-level guys. Yeah. And that's what I want to see. Well, you know who uh, you know who who performed this week, and it was on the other side, uh, the Squirtle Squad specifically. But Corey, one hell of a week. Somebody should tell him that his team is having a bad year. His team's having a bad year. I don't know. His team, <laughs> his team seemed fine without him when he, when he wasn't around. But we won't tell him that. Yeah, is this the Seager we should be expecting? You know what. In the current lineup, I I don't know. Like it seems like everyone in that lineup is productive, right? Like yeah. one through nine, they're all productive. Josh Young is a perfect example of somebody who you're like, is he just boosted by this lineup? Oh wait, I don't give a shit because yep. he's fucking productive. Like yep. no one asks how, just that it happens. So I don't know if Corey Seager's just going forward. Probably not, but he might not be far off. He's just naturally gifted. And then you put him in the best lineup in baseball. I mean, yeah, this could definitely be a consistent thing this year that team is really going to miss DeGrom come playoff time you know what though I have a sneaking suspicion that Texas is going to make a big move at the deadline if they continue on this trajectory I don't see how they don't go get like an ace off somebody and just pay a shitload because they got prospects man they got like they can trade Jack Leiter if they need to right like if they want to throw Jack Leiter at somebody and some other prospects I'm sure a Bieber or someone of that ilk will be available or they just run lighter out. We've seen we've seen worse happen. I don't know. I, I I don't know if you want to start lighter in like a as a fifth starter, let alone like in a playoff game. I mean, even if he's just bolstering the bullpen, a la David Price with the Rays, right? Right. Yeah. No, that would be a good strategy, actually. Yeah. That would be all right. But yeah, I mean, I could also see him being part of a package for. Could. For unquestioned days. So that, that could be interesting, right? And especially if the Jays are out of it, perhaps we could trade Kevin Gossman. I don't know. Maybe somebody will take Alec Manoa off our hands uh, once he's finished in the Florida Complex League, naturally. I don't want, I actually don't want to trade Alec Manoa. That might be stupid. I don't want to do that. Okay, well, we'll have another conversation about that offline, but we should keep moving okay. along our path here on this podcast. Uh, we've got uh, one more win, or sorry, one more chalk, and then one more upset to go over before we're done here. Uh, the uh, the chalk pick was uh, our number four team, a seven and two uh, fourth quarter. Jimmy Butler uh, putting the nails to the stubby clap clappers with a two sixty nine point nine to two oh six point nine performance. Specifically, uh, Tillo, the top scoring point getter of this week. Um, 
excuse me, the unfortunate guy as we break with tradition now that he finds himself being talked about in the ninth <laughs> matchup of the review. So I apologize to Tillo uh, myself, particularly given that he's the man that puts our stuff out to the masses to hear. Um, this was a big point total this week. No one was even close. Well, ironically, you still got to Tillo faster than he puts out the content I submit. So oh. I don't I don't know if you should really be sorry for anything. But uh, you know what? Congratulations on the good week. He's mimicking Himmy Buckets. I wonder if Tillo is currently trademarking any phrases at the moment. Um, maybe, maybe not. Um, you know what? Like, to me, this is like vintage ceiling Tillo right here is like when he gets these kind of performances. The question with Tillo is always the consistency, right? Like, he'll have this week, then he'll have a shit week. But I think for the most part, and correct me if I'm wrong, based on his points for at this point, he's still top eight in the league, I believe, in terms of points for. Yeah, like, I I think he's he's a playoff team by points. Fifth, okay, yeah. So, he's a strong team. Like, I, he's currently fourth. I think that's about right. I think he's probably a three, four, five, somewhere in there. He's above RKR for me in terms of, like, my power rankings or whatever. Um, because he just has Tillis team is a lot of solid veterans. You, you know what you're getting, right? Like, there's not a lot of variance. There's not a lot of like they're gonna shit the bed this week. They're gonna be amazing or good. They're just very solid guys. Like Mookie Betts at this stage of his career is just rock solid. He's not MVP Mookie Betts, but he's like top 25 Mookie Betts. Yeah, and I mean, I'll I'll take that a step further. Actually, uh, in a very real way. Um, Tillo's team is what my team would look like if it had two or three stars on it as well. That is fair. Um, that is fair. I think, yeah, I think he's got stars in a way you don't, right? Like the Garrett Coles, yep. Mookie, the Betts, Mookie Betts, yep. the Max Scherzers, if you believe he's going to spin it around. Although I would like to note, Chris Sale got hurt. It looks like he's going to be out for a bit. So I don't know how mm. that'll impact him moving forward. And Max Scherzer is obviously still a question mark. Um, so I'd say his pitching is a bit long in the tooth and that's always going to be kind of his Achilles heel at this stage. Um, it's whether those guys are going to be healthy when it matters. Well, right now the ones that are healthy are putting up the numbers and, uh, that fed to a real big number on the other side of the equation. We see perhaps the, uh, the beginning of the, the 500 run, uh, by Garth McKenna specifly 206.9 is nothing, nothing great. (laughs) but would have won a number of matchups this week. You cannot escape the 500. It just can't happen. You know, like it's destiny. It's going to happen. I, I don't know. It might be like one win one way or the other, maybe 11 and nine or 11 and eight, something like that. But he's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be a playoff team. I think he's coming out. Well, if he is a playoff team, it'll be based on, on just his record. His point total is actually in the bottom half of the league which is an interesting element because you'd think at six and three, he'd be in good shape, but it's, it's entirely that record um, that's keeping him up there. And he's, he's losing effectively every head to head battle uh, at that record due to his, his low point total. I'm going to, I'm going to use a specific team here, but I like the Squirtle squad much better than I like the stubby clock clappers, Squirtle okay. squad five and four clappers, six and three. I think in a few weeks they'll easily be switched. Yeah, could be. Could absolutely be. Particularly if the Squirtle Squad's going to be taken down, you know, the likes yeah. of Ryan every week. 
Yeah, I mean, although they were only 12 points apart, the Clappers and the, the Squirtles yeah. this week. So. Yeah, it's true. It's true. All right, well, let's uh, let's take this opportunity to advance to our final matchup of the week. Uh, you see, we started from the bottom. Now we're here. And uh, with it, we've got our last upset, but we actually have the number five team uh, taking on the number two team and coming out on top, uh, which is certainly not anything I expected. But the director of the FFF BPA put up a 247.4 and beat the Midland Raccoons, who had just come off a real big upset the week before. Uh, and this week they really didn't deliver on a 178.6. They fall to seven and two, still second overall. But would you consider this a big upset? Not a big upset. I think it's a slightly surprising result. But you know what? Aiden has that good karma from coming on the podcast and it not working out. So that does not surprise me. The podcast bump, especially because it did not get posted. We had problems. The juju's there, man. But I, I would like to point out that two of his three top point getters come from my team. Oh, That being Kevin Gosman and Zach Gallant traded to Aiden. So smart trade acumen, and all three of his top point getters are pitchers. Aiden has probably a top three pitching staff in the league, and I think it's overlooked mm-hmm. all the time. Like We yeah. don't think of it as that, right? But when you look at it, like his worst pitcher is Joe Musgrove. Right. By, by record and by points, right? Like Nathan Abaldi is the stud that Jacob deGrom wishes he was this year. Uh, Gossman is second in strikeouts, I think I read this evening on the graphic. Like, only Shohei Otani, no, only Spencer Strider has more strikeouts, my apologies, than him. Um, and Zach Gallon's an ace. Like, those are three ace level production pitchers right there. And we're not even considering Mitch Keller, who's having an amazing season as well. Tough to beat that. Tough to beat that. Um, for the Raccoons, the curse of Marcus Stroman. You must love this. <laughs> I mean, that bastard. 45.2 points doesn't fucking matter. And I don't know if you watched, uh, I don't know how long ago this was, but he played the Padres and he did the Soto shuffle after striking him out. Okay. Um, Soto looked like he might murder him once the game was over. And I was honestly interested okay. in seeing that. But then the game ended. Yeah, and I, nothing would give me more pleasure than seeing Marcus Stroman get... Uh, Rugnetto Dord on the field at some point, if you will. Um, but despite the 45 points um, by Marcus Stroman, the the, the Raccoons offense managed to uh, cobble together a grand total of 29.9 on the week. Now, while that sounds like a, a pretty low number, I'm going to take it a step further. His offense was led by Masataka Yoshida, who put up 26.6 alone. The rest of his offense managed to find three points in the whole week. You will not win if your offense is one player away from a three-point outing. Well, let's look at just some of his contributors, right? Like the people who are contributing to this outstanding offensive performance. So we have Alex Verdugo, known Alec Manoa hater. We have Jarek Kelnick, um, I'm trying to see here who else he has. On Bobby Wood Jr. Yep. So Bobby Bobby Wood is just a huge disappointment. Uh, next, <laughs> <laughs> Patrick no, Wisdom. He is, okay, he's bad. Anyway, Rizzo. Okay, the point I'm making here is that let's take Bobby Wood out of it because I think Bobby Wood is 
an overhyped player who has strikeout issues and contact issues and isn't hitting the ball hard enough and people are panicking about him. But I think he'll be okay in a dynasty league. The rest of those guys have been performing over their heads. And they're mm. coming back to what you would expect them to be. Like Alex Verdugo has never been a 320 hitter with 30 home runs. It's never happened. And never will. Just can't hit the ball over the fence. Um, Jared Kelnick, I mean, yeah, he's turned it around. He's become something. But let's not forget he was viewed coming into the season as nothing. Like, it's not like this guy was a stud and we're like, oh, yeah, like, about time he put it together. He was a top prospect, but he was a bust. Everyone was like, okay, next. Who else do they have? So the fact he's been anything is a testament to his hard work. But let's not forget that he's just coming from a floor that is bottomless. So I don't expect these guys – I didn't expect these guys to continue going this way all season. And I don't think the Raccoons did either. I wonder if they're going to make a trade to kind of fix this problem. Cause this is a big problem for them going forward. They need to make a move to fix their offense. Well, I mean, uh, there are trades to be had, particularly if he's willing to move some of the, uh, some of the starting pitching. Uh, don't come my way with Marcus Stroman though. Uh, I've told him before, I'll never take him on my team. I don't care. Wow. I, we got to figure out a backdoor way to get Stroman on your roster. I, I don't know how that would work. but I would quit the league. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is a strong statement. Yeah. Wow. Okay. No, there, there's there's just nothing. Again, height doesn't measure hatred. That's no. that's the takeaway. I, I forget. When he was on the Jays, like, I know you hated him in Slack, but, like, yeah. did I miss how much you hated him? Like, did you hate him, like, an infinite amount on the Jays? <laughs> yes it was okay. it was the absolute worst and every single time that somebody would like repost his his twitter or the like i would just i would get unreasonably angry <laughs> okay all right yeah that's fair. okay don't put him on the roster don't do it yeah all right well that wraps up our uh lengthy might i add uh week nine review but let's be honest, we didn't give the folks a podcast last week, so we're going to make this one last like two, right? That's how this works. I don't know if my AirPods can take that, but yeah, we'll Ooh, we'll give it a go. Right. Okay, fair enough. Well, then let's go ahead and uh, we can just breeze through our picks. Uh, we'll do a two-week review uh, because the, uh, the people have missed us uh, the previous week. In week eight... You actually had a hell of a performance. Uh, you got eight out of the ten uh, correct, specifically. Humorously, one of the few that you missed was your own victory. So That's if you only had faith in yourself, you could have had a nine-point week. Uh, I only had six. So uh, that was another two points greater for you. And this past week, with all these upsets, neither of us did good. We tied this week uh, five and five. Uh, so nothing, uh, nothing too big to write home about for this week, but more importantly, I did not make up any ground and I am now at an eight pick deficit, uh, as you are sitting 58 to 50 after nine weeks, the stage is yours, my friend, bring it. Ooh, I don't know. Okay. Well, if I can get up eight picks in nine weeks you can definitely come back eight picks in nine weeks so let's go for double digits this week that'll be really embarrassing <laughs> double digits if i if i were to be uh oh you mean you want to get to double digits i see i thought you yeah, were implying yeah. that i could just grab double digit victory uh no, no, like, no. just get all 10 right in one go <laughs> i mean 
that's yeah. the hope and we'll see if it works that's a dream yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right uh well the other thing that sort of happened this week is uh you wrote an article uh yeah. As we like to do, we like to highlight the articles that are being written uh, by the members of our league, and I guess by other people if they're not in the league, but they still want to have it published on our site. We we talk about their articles too. Uh, but you did post an article this past week, uh, had some interesting elements to it. Why don't you elaborate for us? Well, I got roasted for this. I I put out a league proposal to change the ad drops to nine from seven and it was previously five for a while um yeah i mean it's a bit of a self-serving piece i I admit i'm the person who makes the most ad drops but my point with the article was to try to encourage league activity um by rewarding teams who are willing to do a bit more streaming and legwork to make an optimal bullpen strategy or to stream bats or the like and i think it's important that we reward activity and that was the main premise of the article um yeah i mean obviously i don't think it's gonna have a lot of ground ground support but that is okay uh i think more ads means more potential for different strategies more potential um for people to employ different schemes to try to encourage people to be more active in the league because some managers are just atrociously bad which is correlated to their low ad drops and low performance so that was kind of the gist of the article in a nutshell um but your thoughts? I mean, are you for this proposal? Are you against it? I mean, for the for the sake of content, um, I'm I'm happy you picked a side and and sort of put something out there. Um, I I'm not a big fan of more ad drops, simply because I think it just it just adds noise, right? Like, right. if you're by increasing the ad drops by two, and let's be fair, that's what we're considering here. Um, you're just basically getting two more cracks at the can, which you are already playing in the margins, right? At seven, you can swap out basically a guy a day, right? right. Like that doesn't have to be a streaming pitcher, obviously, but sometimes <laughs> you know maybe maybe you're looking to uh, to play some some lefty righty matchup games uh, with your offense. Cool. Once you get up to nine, and once you get adding two more, is that really going to make a difference? Like you might stumble into something more than likely. It's probably just going to break out. Even Um, I'd be curious to see, and I'm not suggesting that, that you do it, but I'd be curious to see what the statistical um, impact is of any of the ads uh, through the week, right? Like there will obviously be stuff early in the season that will skew this horribly when, you know, people find that, that one great ad and stick with them all year. Um, but the kinds of people that are being added and dropped, added and dropped, you know, like your relief pitchers, um, I'm not actually certain that they're doing much. Um, and so it would just be a change for change sake at that point. No, and that's a fair point. I think that's what a lot of people are saying basically. And, and it's hard to refute that point. Uh, part of it is wanting to put out content. Part of it is wanting to encourage opinion. So I think there's naturally that part built into it. And I can't really disagree with much of what you're saying. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I, I, I thought about coming hard and, you know, comparing, you know, your record with your 71 moves to my record with 20 uh, as we sit here today on Tuesday night. But I thought, eh, that just that just shows that my draft might have been better or my keep might have been better. 
Um, it doesn't really say anything about activity in the league. And I think that's the, that's the real takeaway for me, right? Like I see activity in the league, not just whether you're adding and dropping people um, and not even necessarily the number of trades that you complete, but instead, you know, are you active in the conversations? Are you active behind the scenes? Are you talking about trades? Even if you don't come to the right, to, to the right fit and have to move on, there's a lot to be gained from just having those conversations and being excuse me, interactive um, with the rest of the league in that respect. And I would posit that independent of, of ad drops, independent of hitting, you know, seven, eight, nine starts in a week, the people that we need in the pool are the people that are going to be interactive and active in those elements, like the trades and even, if, even in rule discussions, right? Like that's another area that I like to see people being active and interactive because it's that level of engagement that to me points out the better managers overall. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to disagree with the fact that there are much better predictors of activity than, uh, than ad drops. I'm not going to, I'm <laughs> not going to disagree with that at all. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that was only one part of your, uh, your article. Um, but I think the more interesting part was uh, your own talking trades edition uh, where you broke down uh, the big trade that you had highlighted earlier in this uh, this very podcast. Uh, but the trade between uh, Ryan and Chow specifically, where we see Shane McClanahan, James Wood, Luis Matos, and Curtis Mead moving for Julio Rodriguez, Julio Urias, and I think there were some picks in there as well, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think no, I said no this. picks. Wow, yeah. sorry. Okay, yeah, that, that was it. Okay. So I think in the article I said this, but Julio Rodriguez to me is a top dynasty asset in fantasy leagues right now. Like if I was starting a league, he is like top two, top three for who I would build around. Um, Play center field, premium position, rookie of the year, solid with the bat, solid with the glove, probably going to roam center field for years. Probably a modern day version, uh, albeit less offensive flair than say like a Ken Griffey Jr. I think he's going to be very solid. Um. So that being said, like whenever you're trading that kind of player, it's very hard to get that kind of value back. Um, so I kind of view it as him for the prospects. Um, and I mean, James Wood is a top 10 prospect on most lists. He's got great power, also plays center field at the moment. I believe he's 19. I believe he is an A-ball. So he's a low minors prospect. Um the ceiling for him is probably, you would think, somewhere around Julio Rodriguez, somewhere where you're hoping he is a first-round dynasty asset. But that's a long ways away in A-ball. And that's a big ask for a guy who's 19, and he's going to be playing for a team that's not very good in the Nationals, who also have a lot of competing outfield prospects. Uh, I think of like Elijah Green, Robert Hassel, who also play his position. Um, I am not big on Curtis Mead myself. We've talked about him, so I'm not going to reiterate that. He plays for the Rays. He doesn't have a defensive home. That is a problem. Uh, Matos, I mean, I like him, but I question the power, right? Like, he has not put up power in the minor leagues, um, which is a bit concerning, especially because in the minors, you're more likely to put up power in a lot of the homer hitter-friendly parks, and he just hasn't done that. But he does have average, and he does have speed. But the thing I take away from that is, None of those guys are high-end, can't-miss prospects. Only Wood would be considered that. So you're pinning all your hopes on one guy for Julio Rodriguez at that point. Uh, and that's kind of tough. You, you would hope to get more. 
uh, I would think. Um, and then I look at McClanahan for uh, Urias, and I think that's obviously a clear win for Chow. Uh, McClanahan is probably a top three pitcher for me. Probably only Spencer Strider is really ahead of him at this point. Um, so I like that. I like that a lot. Um, and you, But Urias to me, like, is still a top 15, 20 pitcher, right? Like, yeah, he's hurt, but he's putting up 11, 12 points a game. Consistently, he's touching near 400 points for the last couple of seasons. His strikeout numbers aren't McClanahan-esque, but the gap between McClanahan and Urias is a lot smaller than the gap between Julio Rodriguez and James Wood. And so that's where I kind of fall on it. I think it's a clear win for Ryan. Just like, you know, of course, Ryan needs another win, right? He needs more Ws. We need to stack the best team in the league more. But it addresses two big holes for him. It's a clear win. Sorry, I'm I'm curious which which big hole you see Julio Rodriguez filling specifically. I see him filling the Cedric Mullins hole. So Cedric Mullins was hurt. Uh, I don't know if he's back. I could be wrong on that. But that's that's a big injury spot that he was going to have to fill, right? I mean, potentially, but I mean, before he went down, Cedric Mullins is the number two center fielder in our league right now, averaging 2.8 points a night, um, rostered absolutely everywhere, as you'd expect, already put up a a solid 148 points overall on the season. You know, he's showcasing the speed, he's showcasing the power, and the average is actually lower than it should be at 263. Effectively, Cedric Mullins is already competing to be one of the best center fielders in our game today. And so now you go out and you say... Oh, he got hurt. Okay. Let's make a snap decision. And and it comes for me, it once again comes back to Ryan not being patient enough with some of the assets that he has. Um, it's almost like it, the desire to win everything is burning a hole in his pocket, right? James Wood is a perfect example of the kind of a of, of a talent that is you want to hold on to, right? You already have a center fielder. Sure, he's hurt, right? He, I mean, Ryan himself plugged in uh, Mickey Ammoniak, who was doing just fine uh, for that time period. Absolutely. And yes, Julio Rodriguez is strictly better than Mickey Ammoniak. No one is going to suggest that he isn't. But what James Wood is, is a low minor, top 10 overall prospect who plays the outfield. If you have a gap in your outfield, why aren't you holding on to that, Right. You already have a top three center fielder. You already have a top, I'm going to pull it up here. You already have a top right fielder in Acuna Jr. And you already have the top left fielder in Jordan Alvarez. You don't need an outfielder right now. And to get Julio Rodriguez, who, by the way, is only the sixth best center fielder so far this year. So there's room to grow, absolutely. But you're giving up one of the most lucrative prospects in our league. Because again, a top 10 prospect is worth something. A top 10 prospect who was also 19 and in the low minors is worth significantly more. And by your own admission, you've moved a top three pitcher in the league to receive somebody who is hurt. So if every move that was made was to deal with an injury, taking back somebody who is injured, and adding him to a list of, or adding him to the part of your roster that needs the most help is where I start having all of my questions. Every part of Ryan's team today would look better with McClanahan in it instead of Urias. And I don't think that Julio Rodriguez makes up that gap. And in two or three years when James Wood 
moves up, this is going to feel like regret because one of Mullins or Rodriguez will likely need to move because he's not going to have room for two top five center fielders. Nice problem to have, sure, but not a problem that he needed to solve right now. Snap judgment based on basically inaccurate forecasting is my opinion. Well, I think we can both be right here. I mean, I'm going to push back a little bit. So he's also running Jake McCarthy at DH, which is not good. Um, but let's put that aside. I, I, I accept that you're high on wood, and I accept that McClanahan is amazing because I've seen it firsthand. I acknowledge he is. Um, but Julio Rodriguez, like to use a catchphrase, James Wood could be anything. He could even be Julio Rodriguez. Like that is what you were hoping he becomes. Right now, I agree with you. He's a 19-year-old in A-ball top 10 prospect that's worth a lot it's not worth and not what julio rodriguez currently is julio rodriguez isn't 25 he's 21 rookie of the year like this guy can hit 300 he can put up 25 home runs he can steal 25 bases you are hoping james wood becomes that now that's fair if you think that james wood has more value in our league but ryan is also clearly in win now mode like if we've been pressing or at least i've been pressing ryan week over week on this podcast, why isn't he going for it? Why isn't he like doing everything he can to win? This is a win now move. It's not, no one's saying it's going to look good in five years. I don't know if it will. It probably will. It might not though, but you got to give the guy credit for having the balls to go for it. Like we don't see this very often where teams are like, fuck it. I'm all in. I'm doing it. Prospects be damned. And Ryan should get credit for that. Right. And at the same time, I think any of those guys he gave up, McClanahan aside, because I agree with you on the McClanahan piece 100%. But any of those other guys he gave up, you're hoping they become what Julio Rodriguez is. And frankly, I don't think any of them will be. And that could just be a difference of opinion. But if I could trade for Julio Rodriguez right now, other than Wander Franco, there's nobody I want more. And that might just be me being unrationally high on Julio. That's potentially true. But if you can't get this, if you have the opportunity to get this guy, you need to do it, especially if you're Ryan. And so I do still agree with most everything you're saying, except that I don't need to fill the hole at center field. I don't need to improve my offense because I have a big asshole in my pitching, right? And this is where it comes back. Like moving McClanahan is where the problem lies, right? If you want to move wood because you need to make a move to make your team better, go get a starting pitcher, right? Like you haven't had Rodon out all season. You don't know what he's going to be like when he comes back, if he comes back. Moving McClanahan and taking back somebody else who's hurt makes no sense, right? Like if ultimately this was only just keeping McClanahan moving wood for Urias, I'd be in a mud. I, I think that would be overpaying for Urias. Don't get me, don't me wrong. But that would make more sense to me because it would be correctly targeting where the gap lies in his current makeup and matchup. Instead, he's weakened the area that he was already weakest in because it's not his offense. His offense is legit, right? And that's that's where it all goes wrong. Well, if he could trade, let's say he didn't get Urias back. Let's say he got Corbin Burns back. Do you like this trade away more? If he could move Wood for Burns straight up, then sure, whatever. Like if you need to throw Mead and, and Matos in there, cool. That's fine. Don't move McClanahan. You need pitching more than you need offense. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is you don't like that he acquired Julio Rodriguez. 
I, I think it's a great move. Obviously, I very much like Rodriguez. I think mm-hmm. you're taking issue with the McClanahan piece, right? You're saying McClanahan shouldn't have been included in this deal. Yeah, and I'm saying I, I'm saying that if you are weakest at pitching, moving your best pitcher does not make sense. Right, and I guess I'm I guess my response would be he had to include McClanahan to get Julio, and your response would be well then he shouldn't have included McClanahan. Just so I understand yep. it. What that's basically it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's I mean that's. <laughs> That's fair. We will agree to disagree on on that point, I suppose, because I don't even know how I necessarily feel about that. Like, if you, I think he had to put in McClanahan to get Julio Rodriguez. I, I think that's just a fact. But whether he should or shouldn't have, that's a debatable question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anything else you'd like to? I'm going to give you the final word on your article, sir. Anything else you'd like to say? No. No. I... I don't disagree with what you're saying. And I think Slack generally agrees with you, right? There's other predictors of activity. They don't want to see more ads. It's just a lot of noise. I respect all of that. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think I put my argument out there. I don't think it's going to succeed, but I think we need more proposals like this, right? Like I think we need people to kind of say, okay, but this is what I want. Right. And if nothing else, we generated a good debate on this show and even on Slack for a little bit tonight. So worthwhile. 100%. Although let's be fair. I don't know that you and I have ever struggled to find something to debate over. (laughs) That's true. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) All in good fun, though. All above board. Well, without further ado, and without potentially debate, uh, let's advance to the last sort of segment of our regular podcast here, the Week 10 preview. Um, I've taken the liberty uh, ahead of time, and as, as we do every week, we've put our picks in, and there's only two right now that we differ on. And so in the interest of going fast, uh, I'm going to sort of list the picks we're making that, that we agree on. And then we'll target a little bit later on the, uh, the ones that we differ. How's that work for you? That sounds good. All right. Um, as always, feel free to stop me if you'd like to change your pick uh, okay. in, in this event. But uh, we're going to start at sort of my top. Uh, we are both on Graham in my matchup. Uh, we're taking Chris over Nick. We're taking Chow over Flex. Ben over you. Stads over Kaminsky. We got the Raccoons beating Penis. Although, my God, does that look like the wrong call right now. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, Aiden as the director over the Squirtle Squad. And we both have... Uh, Ryan getting back in the winning winning column over uh, the Husan Alliance. Anything in that list that you want to uh, flip your vote on, and why is it penis over the raccoons? Yeah, so I'm not I'm not going to flip my vote because I think you know okay. what at this point I have an advantage. I want to make it fair, so I don't want to keep flipping matchups with okay. some extra information. So I'm not going to keep doing that. Okay. Um, you would think that a raccoon would just absolutely maul a penis. In real life, like if, if it was just like a raccoon versus like a penis, it's like a limp dick in real life. Like it was just maul the shit out of that. So like, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what the raccoons are doing, but it's not working out. Like make a trade, boys. Do something here to get the get the offense going because this is looking it's looking rough. 
I love that line of thinking. It it mirrors uh what uh the wife of my of a longtime best friend has always sort of stated as as far as sports teams are concerned is that it doesn't make sense, right? She's like, why aren't the Detroit Tigers absolutely destroying the Toronto Blue Jays? Have you seen a tiger? It's yeah. gonna eat a Blue Jay. It makes no sense. Um, so that your line of logic there has, uh, at the very least, has someone out in the world who can see eye on that line. But uh, as it stands right now, that matchup is currently uh, Lim with seventy point six to the Raccoons eight point seven as oh, we God. sit here at ten to eleven on Tuesday night, and that is ridiculous. <laughs> we just got to wear that. <laughs> just got to wear that. My God. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into the last two uh, matchups because you and I are on the opposite sides of the equation. In uh, the first one, we've got Ash, uh, the Money Ballers, going up against the Stubby Clap Clappers. I'm on Ash. You're on Garth, and right now you're up uh, about 35 points with that. Yeah, uh, Ash is not very good. He also doesn't give a shit, so it's just really hard to back him in any matchup that's not like a bottom five team. Like the Clappers are very mid, also, but they can put up two hundred points, which is more than we can say for Ash. I think at this point. Yeah, that that's fair. I I definitely bought into uh, what he did to Graham last week uh, specifically, and uh, that yeah. may come back to bite me. Yeah, like I I think I said at the beginning of that matchup, that was Graham shitting the bed. That wasn't Ash actually doing anything. Okay. And so I stick to, I stick to that, yeah. Fair enough. Well, the other matchup in our our last matchup and the last discussion point we'll have for tonight uh is the uh fourth quarter Jimmy Butler's going against the Bash Brothers. So Tillo V RKR, I'm on Tillo, you're on RKR and there's a similar 35ish points uh separating those two this time in my favor. Yeah, I mean I thinking about it now I kind of I'm like damn, I probably made the wrong pick here. Uh, I'm a big RKR guy, but yeah, Tillo's been hot, and it's really tough to go against him right now when he's rolling, so it's probably isn't a good pick for me. Well, fair enough. I mean, uh, like I said, we're both on eight out of the ten this week, so if we end up splitting these two, you'll still be up eight picks uh, when we speak again in yeah. seven days' time. Yep. We gotta we gotta split up these picks. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean it's in your best interest to keep picking what I'm picking. Uh and we do this without like it, it's it's a double blind thing we're doing here. So yeah. 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 All right. Well, very good. This has been a bit of a longer episode and we've had some technical problems along the way that we will uh, sort out that maybe our audience won't even notice any of the uh, any of the problems because we're just that good at this. But anything else you'd like to add tonight, my friend? I think I've talked enough. Yeah. All right. Well, then uh, for Jeremiah, the WizKid Johnson, I'm Garth Newton and I wish everyone a good night and good fantasy. <laughs>